0: Enter the third decade of the 21st century, humanity faces so many issues and questions that it's really hard to know what to focus on. Of all the different issues we face, three problems pose existential challenges to our species. existential challenges are nuclear war, ecological collapse, and technological disruption. We should focus on them. Now, nuclear war and ecological collapse are already familiar threats. So let me spend some time explaining the less familiar threat posed by technological disruption. In Davos, we hear so much about the enormous promises of technology. And these promises are certainly real, but technology might also disrupt human society and the very meaning of human life in numerous ways, ranging from the creation of a global useless class to the rise of data colonialism and of digital dictatorships.
1: Salutations, dear citizens, as we peer into the new fund order to discover the immutable truth for asset management and wealth managers. The lowdown from the dark side, the frontier and the fringe of asset management and fund research. A podcast for wealth managers, fund selectors, distributors and investors, bringing to you the People's Republic podcast of finance in association with my sponsor, Allianz Global Investors, capturing the latest market news, views, and interviews with leading minds in our industry. Allianz Global Investors is one of the world's leading active managers. Market news. And this week's market news is... Courtesy of the Financial Services Club. They note tech stocks lift Wall Street to new highs after Fed's stimulus comments. Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, and Google boost tech heavy NASDAQ as Dow slows and SP 500 banking index falls. DWS probes spark fears of greenwashing claims across investment industry. Poor data and conflicting standards on ESG open up asset managers to potential claims. Meanwhile, Hong Kong plans new risk controls to prevent archegos style collapse. Project to track dangerously concentrated exposures to stocks has garnered attention of US regulators. UK's FCA says it is not capable of supervising crypto exchange Binance. Companies UK affiliate failed to respond to basic questions, says the British regulator. The buy now, pay later market is being rocked as Klarna's losses soar as credit defaults double. The white hat hacker behind the $610 million crypto heist returns most of money. And lastly, Naveen launches a suite of semi-transparent active ETFs tag hashtag new fund order and let me know what stories you want me to follow and what stories you want me to talk about and in these strange pandemic lockdown times rest assured that all guests are calling in remotely interview and welcome to the new fund order Oren. it's uh great to have you on the show and of course sharing alpha has been running a few years now the trip advisor meets morning star great to have you on the show
2: thanks for inviting me yeah great to be here
1: Obviously, for the benefit of listeners, uh, I'm sure many of them are aware of sharing alpha. But what was the, I guess, the main problem that you saw that needed a crowd based platform? Like sharing offer? Yeah, well, the problem
2: still exists. I mean, um, the way buyers and sellers come together in this industry is super inefficient. Um, really doesn't work for both sides of the table. The fund selectors are frustrated getting offerings which are not relevant to them. And the sales guys um, are also, um, you know, spending lots of their time speaking to uh, people trying to figure out what they're looking for. So trying to create a digital marketplace was, was our main target. But before we could offer that, Obviously we needed to bring the uh, demand side on board, these uh, professional fund buyers, and as you know, they're probably the most popular people on earth. So we need to think of something that could be of interest to them. And uh, the main thing that we thought of that could um, get their attention would be the possibility of creating a a track record for themselves in a similar fashion that fund managers have a track record. And um, yeah, so we we built a tool, we launched it just over five years ago, which, uh, allows them to create such a track record. They, they simply go to the platform, select the number of funds that they're familiar with. There's over 200,000 funds to choose from. Uh, then they're asked to, to rate those funds that they've selected in terms of their future chances of generating alpha. And what we do next is we compare the ratings they've assigned with the actual performance of the funds. And if there's a match be, between the two, between their expectations and, and what happens in reality, then they receive a high ranking from us. So, we, uh, we end up with two separate lists. One is a list of top ranked fund selectors in different countries, and the other is a list of top rated funds uh, in different investment categories based on the average ratings uh, of our members. And as you mentioned, it's been labeled as Morningstar meets TripAdvisor by the Financial Times when they wrote about us, which creates uh, obviously a lot of interest from investors. It's the only platform that offers that, uh, that kind of dimension.
1: And of course, it pulls. On a number of things it pulls on i guess um notions of competition transparency but also um it pulls on things like gamification right you know this idea of being able to track your own performance and i guess the the end game here is that we improve some of the the behavioral biases that we see in the fun selection community i've been talking recently with the likes of bev shah and joe wiggins and richard harris about things like cognitive diversity, behavioral bias and noise. So thinking about that wisdom of the crowd Oren, how do you think sharing alpha helps to address some of those issues?
2: Yeah so the, the most popular way of selecting managers or funds is uh, basing it on past performance uh, since you know most of these uh, these allocators are managing uh, or responsible for other people's money, the safest bet for them is to, uh, you know, pick the funds that performed really well in the past. Although, time and time again, researchers prove that uh, it's not just a disclaimer at the bottom of a of a fact sheet. It's, it's the actual reality that doesn't really work. Uh, there's no predictive value in past performance. But uh, I don't blame them for, for doing so. They you know they 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 want to keep their day job, and uh, using uh, qualitative analysis using uh, Qualitative research is, is something that does work. Uh, research has proven that there's different parameters that uh, can I- help identifying future performance of funds. Um, however, you know the universe of funds is, is huge. Um, in certain areas, it's in tens of thousands of funds uh, to, to pick from. So there's uh, none of the teams out there are able to analyze all these funds uh, on a continuous basis. So there's really a need to come together and share thoughts, and uh, the internet allows that, so that's the, the platform that we developed that allows people to basically share their ideas and share their expectations, and we incentivize them, as I mentioned, to do so by ranking the raters, by allowing them uh, to build up their track record. So the, the, the outcome of this is an alternative to the quantitative past performance ratings. We we provide the market with qualitative uh, ratings based on uh, a large group uh, a large group of, of analysts sharing their thoughts and, and we basically just serve as a technology as an aggregator of all these ideas and uh, expectations um, with a bottom line rating. So it, it does help in solving this uh, this behavior which is uh, you know, herd behavior going after those uh, those huge funds that, that normally reached uh, capacity very quickly because they performed really well in the past and not necessarily will generate alpha in the future. So this is a very uh, major issue in the industry. There's over $100 trillion allocated to these different managers, and uh, they're allocated basically uh, based on a methodology that doesn't work. So we're offering an alternative to that.
1: And of course, you know, sharing alpha was already up and running before the pandemic hit the industry. And that's, I guess... In that respect it became a bit of a zeitgeist for Sharing Alpha. It was it was perfectly placed as a solution to help fund selectors continue to research fund managers without necessarily the benefit of uh, physical proximity. In what ways did you think the pandemic affected fund selectors and fund providers and, and how they were interacting and in using the Sharing Alpha platform?
2: Yeah, yeah. So we saw um, you know, the the, the real issue in terms of events that served as a as a mean not only to have fun and to enjoy yourself but also to socialize and to network with professionals like yourselves with your peers and to find out about funds that they're looking at and opportunities investment opportunities you might be missing so that that option uh was no no longer there um, and uh, professionals were still looking for a way to see which funds are recommended if you like by their peers and that's exactly the outcome of the rating process on sharing alpha so they they were invited to our platform and and more and more of them are using it to see which funds have received on average the highest rating in different uh, investment categories so that's from the buyer's point of view from these professional fund buyer's point of view from the fund provider's point of view again a uh, main issue uh, that that raised was uh, the lack of uh, roadshows so they were used to uh, you know coming and visiting uh, potential investors and meeting them face to face that was no longer possible. So, a way to generate uh, leads or generate or create new relationships with uh, with investors, trying to find out you know which investors are relevant to them, uh, became very challenging in a world where travel was no longer uh, possible. Right, uh, and that's basically our revenue model. So, we, we, we generate uh, these high quality leads for for fund providers based on the categories that our members are searching for on the platform. So uh, we, we just do it in a digital fashion rather than uh, physical.
1: Do you think the pandemic shifted the the balance between, say, the reliance on quant versus qualitative analysis? And do you think those effects might be here to stay?
2: I'm not sure. I think still the fund selectors, when it comes down to uh, placing an order, you know, investing a, especially a large amount, I don't think they will be comfortable just using a, a you know a platform that offers them even the sharing alpha platform that offers them a bottom line rating whether it's it's based on qualitative or quantitative they would like to do their own analysis uh, their own qualitative analysis at the end of the day uh, all these different tools uh, that offer uh, you know ratings and information and and, and different ways of, of looking at funds is is obviously useful but the the end decision is made. By speaking to the manager, speaking to the investment team, uh, and trying to make sure that they understand the way you know their their added value, their competitive edge, if you like, uh, and verify all the operational risks and uh, you know and all the all the different issues that they need to check. So um, I don't think the industry will go digital 100%. I don't think that will ever happen. There will always be this human interaction, uh, especially with the larger investments, maybe for retail. Uh, investors that that could be a solution but for those professional fund buyers the fund analysts they will need to speak to people and you know these different conference calls services zoom and, and the likes obviously serve as a, as a solution for that
1: through the sharing alpha platform you're both recording the ratings for uh for the funds that are being assessed and rated by by the community but you're also obviously storing the data on the the hit rates um of the community themselves when you look back and you look across, um, does it give you confidence that you're starting to see that crowd effect in action? That you're starting to see that wisdom of the crowd uh, emerging on the platform?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm, a, you know, a big believer in in wisdom of the crowds. Uh, my favorite uh, example that it works is uh, the the game Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where in uh, the stats show in that 65% of the cases the expert uh, is right, whereas the crowd is is right 90 91% of the time. So, uh, and there's obviously lots of research about it. So I think you know wisdom of the selectors in our case um, is is very powerful. Uh, it does um, reduce all kinds of noise and biases um, and averages out all kinds of misbehavior amongst different analysts that fall in love with managers and find it very difficult for them to downgrade them and be open to new managers. So I think um, in that sense, you know, intuitively it works and we see it from the data. I mean, it's still early days, but we are working now on launching a model portfolio, which will be based on, you know, over a thousand analysts that we have um, that contribute to the platform in terms of rating funds and creating a virtual fund of funds on the platform. So we have both insights in terms of the average asset allocation at any given time and the average ratings from our members. Um, and, and this is super powerful. There's no other team globally that has over a thousand analysts contributing to uh, this engine, if you like. Uh, right. So this model portfolio that we're working on, we're, you know, we're very encouraged by by the data that we're seeing, and uh, we think it's uh, it could be a very interesting proposition.
1: You touched on earlier about previously some of these asset concentrations that, uh, that you and I are, you know, very very aware of um, during our time in this industry. So, noting, for example, funds like you know the Woodford Fund. Uh, do you think fund ratings diversify or intensify star manager herding generally? Depending on your answer on that. What does sharing alpha do differently or better?
2: Yeah, so on sharing alpha, you have the because it's virtual, you have the flexibility or the freedom to uh, really express your true opinion rather than be, uh, you know, in a in a very rigid situation where you can only invest in uh, large funds or funds that have a very long track record, uh, which minimizes the choice. Uh, to a very small uh, selection of funds, and we see that you know there's about you know out of the out of the tens of thousands of asset managers out there, uh, 20, 20 of them manage 90 over 90 percent of the assets, and 70 percent of the funds don't have have less than 100 million dollars under management. So there's a very very long tail of funds that are neglected. And those funds, uh, you know, again, research has proven have a greater chance. And it's also intuitively it's quite, um, you know, you can understand that the fund that is smaller in many, many, in many situations in many markets has an advantage. Uh, But again, if you're a selector and you have to invest people's other people's money and you're working at a very large organization, that limits your possibilities on sharing alpha because it's done virtually and it's your personal opinion, then you can really express your true opinion, especially uh, you know the fact that you are accountable for that because you are later ranked uh, personally ranked on the platform that gives you an extra incentive to go with you know to rate highly funds that you think will generate alpha in the future and 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 uh, rate uh, give you know provide a low rating to funds that you think will uh, underperform, even if they are super popular uh, in the market in terms of raising assets. So that freedom to express your true opinion is unique and results with uh, a lot of uh, ratings that differ from the traditional past performance ratings.
1: Yeah, I think it's, uh, it has huge possibility in reducing groupthink, um, which could obviously become quite institutionalized within larger uh institutional investors larger uh, asset owners and i think yeah absolutely sharing alpha is a great um solution to that look before we we get into the the fun bit which obviously is the uh the 10 question rapid fire round Oren. Uh, my last question for you given that as you say sharing alpha has well enough ex- excess of a thousand uh fund raters on the platform i think over 65 countries uh some of those will be listening to this show so what are the plans ahead for Sharing Alpha? What, what would you like to do next with the community? Um, where do you see the opportunities?
2: Yeah, so we have a presence actually now in 77 countries. It's, it's, it's concentrated in Europe, so uh, about 75-80% of our members are based in Europe. We think that um, in the next few years, the number of members that we will have from North America and Asia um, will probably equal those that we have in Europe. So that shift is, is a huge potential. There's many many allocators in, in those areas that uh, have not yet been aware that this uh, this platform exists. So um, that's 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 probably going to to be a major change. We have the products in place. We have the you know the technology that supports it. We have 40 act funds. We have all these other structures on the platform. So it's possible. It's just a matter of creating awareness in those mar- markets and as i said the the engine as long as the engine works in terms of getting people to contribute getting them to continuously update their ratings update their portfolios and and new uh, allocators coming in and also contributing once we as, as long as we have this engine running then you can generate both uh, you know a mark you can create a marketplace because obviously the providers are interested in interacting with potential uh, buyers especially those professional fund buyers that are super difficult to get hold of. And you can create an aggregate portfolio, this, this model portfolio, which is a, you know, a very growing market segment. Uh, we think we have, as I said, a very interesting offering into this uh, model portfolio industry. Since um, unlike other teams, which are probably a handful of analysts that sit somewhere in Geneva or London or New York that decide on the asset allocation and the fund selection, we have over a thousand people already that uh, contribute to that decision um so that's that's a huge opportunity so we you know we have lots of lots of things to work on it's uh you know uh, it's early days still i think and we have lots of opportunities in front of us but we're enjoying the journey which is you know, the most important thing i guess
1: great stuff and so it's time um before you go an asking every guest to answer a quick rapid fire round of 10 questions it's gut feel one answer rapid are you ready yeah I'm ready question number one bull or bear
2: um, I'll go with bear I think there's uh, some assets are way too expensive at the moment
1: interesting question two bogle or buffett
2: well I like buffett he does you know besides making money he knows how to talk about it which is you know using humour and all kinds of uh, great anecdotes so yeah buffett
1: question three profit or planet
2: uh, planet
1: question four divest or engage engage Question five, lower cost or better value? Uh,
2: lower cost, I'm a, a true believer in... Uh,
1: <laughs> question six, super tankers or
2: boutiques? Uh, boutiques, I think it comes out of what I just, uh, the things I mentioned earlier, yeah, boutiques definitely.
1: Question seven, star managers or team players?
2: Team players, you know, sharing alphas, yeah, team players.
1: Uh, question eight, public or private?
2: Um, I'd go with private, uh, but very selectively, so yeah, mm-hmm.
1: uh, at question number where am i now uh question number nine high growth or stable income growth growth there you go and question 10 my favorite as everybody knows socialism or free markets
2: uh free markets jb i'm afraid
1: (laughs) i i I had no i had no doubt you were going to see free markets (laughs) And that just leaves the last bonus round. If you could pick a number between 11 and 40. 12. Question 12: Fossil fuels or tobacco? Uh.
2: Neither. (laughs) (laughs) If I have to, I'll go with fossil fuels. At least they get you somewhere.
1: There you go. There you go. And that marks the end of the interview, Oren Kaplan. I just want to say thanks very much for coming on. Uh, Thanks very much for talking about sharing Alpha. Uh, I think it's a fascinating journey. I think you've established a a great uh, fun buyer community on the platform. Yeah, just to say, thanks again. Yeah, and thank you, Jamie. Please don't forget to like and share and subscribe. You know, click the subscribe button. (sighs) A new podcast every two weeks with a new guest. Stay tuned. A big thanks to you, dear listener, for tuning in. Brought to you by my sponsor, Allianz Global Investors. A warm thanks to today's guest. Legally, I am compelled to remind everyone that all views of this podcast are, of course, independent and do not belong to any affiliation or organisation. Just in case that was in any doubt. Tune in for the next podcast every two weeks from The New Fund Order. Please subscribe, share, like and comment. Let me know what you think and what you'd like covered in future episodes. Until then, stay safe and keep it left field.
0: face upheavals on the social and economic level. Automation will soon eliminate millions upon millions of jobs. And while new jobs will certainly be created, it is unclear whether people will be able to learn the necessary new skills fast enough. Suppose you're a 50 years old truck driver and you just lost your job to a self-driving vehicle. Now there are new jobs in designing software, or in teaching yoga to engineers but how does a 50 years old truck driver reinvents himself or herself as a software engineer or as a yoga teacher